This week on Zone of Truth, Griff and I recount the party's harrowing expedition into Schloss Karamark. We talk about traps, badges, monsters, and answer some questions from our listeners. I'm your host, Steve, in studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the Zone of Truth. And we're back. We're back. I just want to note, because I listened to you just do the intro, oh, and it, it may not make it to the listeners, but uh, oh, boy. do you understand how difficult it is for me every fucking episode to say schloss? Well, I, That's like not a normal word. I have never said it once. I've never spelled it. And the reason Schla- is- yeah, Right. You I, put like S-L-A-S, schloss Cromark. Because, because that word scares me. That's I just, don't know how it works. Guys, if you're listening to this podcast, could you please enlighten me or Steve? I'm sure we could Google it, but I'd rather one of you tell us, what the fuck is a schloss? Right, like, it, is, it a, is it a German castle? It is spelled S-C-H-L-O-S-S. In fact- this is one of my shortest intros of all time, and I had more difficulty with this than the last one where I read for about 15 minutes Dude, before you were we started. Like, you were completely fine in the like talking about the uh the Gen Con one when you oh, like yeah. the uh <laughs> Lucas Oil Stadium. <laughs> Fifty five hundred square feet in conference rooms. Yep, that's me. All right, but Griffin, we're back here. It's just the two of us today. Just the two of us. We are recording You and I. That's yes, that's correct. Um, we are recording to get ahead of a pretty difficult recording um, cadence we're going to have over the next month or so. It's weird because we've only done this once. And the last time we did it, we were not a very popular podcast. Not popular. No zone of truth. <laughs> no, no evil truths. interludes. None of this. God, yeah, we really painted ourselves into a corner with the uh, the whole like five people going to five different families that are all not in Columbus. Yeah, we are all transplants. <laughs> we should really like bring our families here and do one Christmas here and have yeah. Everybody has to share Christmas. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. The very next day, you came here to stay. Also, okay. oh, that's, I think that's I think legally that's as much parents. as we can. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm switching the words out. It's a weird ale style parody. I got everyone's parents here. That's the Columbus Christmas I want. You know what? New Patreon goal. We have Christmas in Columbus. Bring all the families and we live stream the whole thing. Oh, God. <laughs> If you think we drink a lot, oh. just meet our families. Oh, boy. You'll, you'll very quickly understand where it comes from. It's a lineage. <laughs> it's a strong bloodline. Yeah. Fun uh, fun fact here. I don't think I've ever talked about this on air. Griff, you definitely know this story. Um, but I, last Christmas, I was home with the folks, and my dad had spent a considerable amount of time before uh, the like extended family Christmas going through old photos and keepsakes and stuff. And he found my great grandfather's obituary and uh, it's the, the headline of it is it does not say his name. It's man dies delivering beer. <laughs> I've definitely heard this story. <laughs> yep. yep. 
he uh he was delivering beer on the south side of Chicago, dropped dead. Um, but in fact, like half the obituary is about like his beer delivery and Jesus, it's pretty wild. And, it, and, but like they make a big point in the obituary on, he finished his delivery, then dropped dead, then dropped dead. He got the people their beer. That's where I come from guys. Dude. Speaking of beer deliveries, my dad, uh, of what was it? Zone of truth 16, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Of zone of truth 16 fame. Yeah. Was uh, he before he got into craft beer was a beer delivery driver. Oh, hey! And um, he's gonna hate me for telling this story, but he um, he got a two week vacation, and oh, I'm no. using air quotes here because he tried to drive through one of those small like circle, uh, circle shaped tunnels mm-hmm. with the beer truck, and ended up. Like missing sheer- the clearance oh, by no. like a foot and sheared the entire top of the truck off and probably destroyed who knows how much beer. Oh, so no. I think he's been making it up to the world by doing the beer fest ever since. He's been living that down for 20 years. <laughs> I mean, like when I'm a dad, I'm not going to tell those kind of stories about myself. I don't know why he told me. Well, good thing we're just recording them all. Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, my dad was a drunk podcast host. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, so holidays are around the corner. We've got a lot of recording to do. We're actually recording this way in advance. This is actually the week before Thanksgiving. I think this is going to drop a couple weeks into December. But Griffin, what did you do for Thanksgiving? Uh, I went with Haley and her family to the Smoky Mountains, and it was... I'm assuming awesome. I smoked the bird. I smoked the bird last yeah. year. I, uh, you bring down I, your I bring smoker. my smoker. Yeah, I bring my smoker to the Smoky Mountains. Mm-hmm. Got to watch out for black bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> like, kidding. Like, seriously, I had to do this on the back porch because when we started smoking the food, I saw two bears last year. Oh, my God. Like, out front. And fortunately, we were, like, up high. And not that a bear can't climb, but it doesn't care as much if it has to climb as it does if you put it out on your front porch or something. But I mean, dude, there's bears everywhere over there. So I'm like, I'm smoking meat. I'm like hucking the grease trap really yep. far away. So the bears go towards the yep. grease trap. Nice. It's uh, it's fun. I mean, I, I've had a blast. Uh, I had a blast last year when I went and I imagine I'm going to have a blast this year watching um, Haley's dad be denied buying a gun oh no <laughs> he's from new jersey and the laws are state by state yeah, you can't be doing that <laughs> yeah he can't he can't buy anything outside of new jersey he was kind of pissed last year, oh no <laughs> which was funny oh no um as for me i uh the nature nature of my work means that ever since i've moved to columbus i haven't been able to get back home for thanksgiving i, I work for a retail company so i mean that shouldn't be too surprising hey i do too but my yep. company doesn't force us to work Black Friday. I know, right? Um, so I'm not able to get back home, but thankfully I've got a good group of folks here. Um, I believe we're having a little Friendsgiving here. It's going to be myself, Brooks, Emily, and our good friend Chris, a.k.a. Krusty Cross. Yeah, it's going to be like all of you guys besides me and Haley, which I apologize. Yeah. I'd do it the weekend before or after just to have a full Friendsgiving, but I'm sure you guys will have a good time. I think... Uh, I'm going to call this right now. Uh, Brooks, myself, and Chris are going to phone it in, and Emily's probably going to make everything. And yeah, Emily's going to be really delicious. Emily's going to like cook a 
full bird for you fucking degenerates. We and don't deserve it. You don't deserve her. No. None of us deserve her. No, that's true. <laughs> Brooks doesn't either. <laughs> oh, if anybody Brooks doesn't. If anybody doesn't deserve her, it's Brooks. Well, what are you drinking today, Griff? Right now, <laughs> I am drinking a Vive. I'm drinking the lime flavor, which, you know, just like most seltzers is just mm-hmm. a lime, but... I really like the vibe, dude. And you've yeah. hopped on the vibe train too. I can see. I've 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 been pretty ride or die Bon and Vibs when I'm drinking my seltzers. But you got yeah you you got me on the vibes and I've been loving them. They're really clean. I don't feel like my hangovers are particularly bad. I had a real problem with Trulies. I tried those before. Oh, Trulies fuck me up. Give me and, bad and, headache. And I, the weird thing is, like, I really like the flavor of Trulies. Like Trulies They're are so delicious. Bad. They just give me that weird headache yeah. that only I feel like you and I have experienced I because know. I know a lot of people. Shout out to Southern. Tom Foolery, those guys love Trulies, mm-hmm. and I've not heard the report back. <laughs> they get the yeah. headache. Maybe they don't drink eight in an hour, but they're lost. Yeah, they're lost. But but I yeah, I feel like I get like it almost feels like a brain cramp when I drink four Trulies, and it's like I I know for a fact. I could drink at least three times that much without getting a hangover. Yeah. The vibes have been treating me real well. I drank a lot of them last night. These are the only two left from the 12-pack. Um, I'm drinking a grapefruit. Soon I'll be drinking a mango, which is a great flavor. But we got a lot going. We're recording ahead. We got a lot going on. We've got episodes coming out. I hear we, you know, with that Patreon go, we're going to have an evil interlude drop in at the end of next month. Oh, dude. December. I'm so excited. Yeah. I- I did not even foresee how much fun I was going to have with the with the Halloween mm-hmm. stuff and I just feel like I mean after that I just want to like jump right into these characters again so I'm I'm so hyped that we we actually crossed that Patreon goal right as we were releasing the Halloween stuff so we don't have to really wait that long mm mm-hmm. mhm yeah, and the two of us have spent a lot of time together today. Haley had something going on earlier, so the two of us got brunch. Now we're recording this by ourselves. When we got brunch, we had a good opportunity to chat about a lot of, um, let's say, some of the directional ways the show's going from an Evil Interlude perspective and a regular um, regular episodes perspective. Sure, yeah. All super hype stuff. But one thing that you did not clue me into was what we're going to be doing in Chris um, for the that like post Christmas release evil interlude and if you don't want to say that's totally cool but I'm excited for whatever we end up yeah, doing I mean honestly I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure yet again it's before Thanksgiving right now we'll probably record that sometime mid December mm-hmm. and I have a couple of thoughts floating around in my head I I think my biggest thing and maybe I don't want to start it off with this but but what while we're getting into these evil interludes that are more frequent and and kind of longer episodes like longer form i know some of you listen to critical role and that kind of yep. stuff like that's kind of how i envision the evil interludes going like a two and a half hour episode just because i can't get the exposition like every time we've released these it's it's an episode of exposition and shit before i can get you guys on the journey it's one episode of exposition one episode of Haley and i doing something weird that's usually the same episode but it's like an hour and a half long episode exposition and you guys doing something fucked so worth it though oh yeah no i mean you guys have developed your characters i mean i don't mean to throw shade on your regular campaign characters, but these evil interlude characters for how infrequent they're used, you guys have developed them 
so heavily. Oh yeah, I, I I I I don't disagree with that statement. I think it's a lot. I mean, you know, we've talked about character development before. I think it's a lot more difficult to develop a character over, you know, a weekly release hour and a half every week, hundred episodes. I mean, hundred plus episodes. Right. And you always like, got to be cognizant yes. of, of where your character direction is, which you guys definitely are, but it's just to your point, completely true. You guys are doing a lot of character development in that first episode of the evil interlude because it's like, cause we have Hi, to, my name's Griff. Uh, you guys have been gone for nine months. Uh, what happened in that nine months? Yep. So we're able to uh, base. I, I think, uh, since it's not stretched out, we're able to pack a lot into a small amount of time. So I think it develops the characters quicker and makes them really fun and interesting in a different way than the characters on the regular show are. For sure. Yeah. Um, let's get into it, Griff. So what do we have on the docket for today? Well, we're going to chat a little. We've been chatting a little bit up at, up at the top. Um, we're we going to be- turn on Sirenscape. Well, we haven't really gotten into no, the meat okay. of everything. All, all right, right, all right here's the deal. I forgot again. It's fine. <laughs> it's only been right. 13 minutes. Yeah, we're getting there. We're we're, we're just easing into this one. Um, so I'll turn that on in a second. But what we're going to do is we're going to talk about our uh, our progress so far on this back half of book two. This uh, the trial of the beast after the trial has been concluded. What happens? And uh, we're going to answer some listener questions. So first of all, here's that Sirenscape I promised everybody and didn't forget this week. What's the uh, what's the track name? You know what? I was thinking a lot lately about uh, Young Hama. Young Hama. Young Hama. From our off-podcast Plague Stone game. Let me smack a girl. He's the only bard in the pod... Or I don't know why I said pot in the game. So uh, here's Lone Bard music. Lone Bard music. Let me smang it, girl. Smash it and bang. Okay. I want to start this a little non-traditional, Griff. So right at the top, I'm going to ask a listener question. And we've been sitting on this one for a while, but I think it's very... uh, very time relevant. Apropos after Apropos, last month, uh, or last night rather, that we ask, we answer this question. Commodore asks, "Has Steve seen Tucker and Dale vs. Evil yet? Why the hell not?" I don't know, dude. Why the hell not? So, let me regale you with the tale of last evening. And and Steve, I, let's, I will let's, give you, how, how, let's preface this. This is the third time I've tried to watch. This, this is movie. the third time I've tried to shove this movie down Steve's throat. Um, and, and I, I give you more credit this time than I did the previous times because you did stay up for Mm -hmm. longer, but I also give you more credit because I think this was the latest we've ever started it. (laughs) We we started on at like (laughs) 3.30. We put it on at 3.30. I made it a good, maybe 45 minutes. Oh yeah. Yeah. You made it, you made it a good portion into the movie. I want to be clear. I remember none of it we were uh pretty drunk so so steve and i and and the rest of the crew uh sans brooks and emily went to a housewarming party for one of Haley's friends proceeded to get pretty turnt and came back to my place where steve usually sleeps on the weekends yep so came back to my place it's about 3 a.m 3 a.m throw the Tucker and Dale versus Evil on there because well, we, for were, some, we were shooting the shit for a while. We were, yeah, before. we were shooting the shit for a little bit, and then I was like, "Here's something we can get off the checklist." 
something that is super easy, requires no effort. We can get this off the checklist. Maybe we can talk about this on the Zone of Truth. Nope. Um, so I put on Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I'm 10 sheets to the wind. Steve's 12 because he... <laughs> well, no, maybe I'm 12 because I kept trying to steal your drink last night. <laughs> four times in a row. I kept picking up the wrong drink thinking it was mine. But that's besides the point, listeners, because Steve fell asleep 45 minutes in and has still not completed Tucker and Dale versus Evil. And at this point... I'm almost thinking like our our $10 a month patrons, like we should probably just do a drunken discordly where we watch Tucker and Dale. I don't know how legal that's going to be on Twitch, but we, we, we have like fucking 10 people tuning in max. So I don't think Twitch is going to shut us down. Watch after after all this buildup and all this hype, we watch it and I don't really like it. I don't think you enjoyed what you saw. I, I remember you enjoy you got it. You got to uh the uh, the wood chipper scene and laughed. Oh, I good. remember that. Good, but that's as far as you made it. And and to be honest, listeners, even though I've seen this movie about twenty times, I did fall asleep probably after an hour and ten minutes. We uh, we woke up at uh, seven in the morning. Me, you, and John on the couch. Yeah, we are real rogues gallery. Well, John was like asleep when we started watching it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was just asleep on the couch. Yep. Oh boy. oh boy! So, so St- the long answer, clearly, to your question is Steve has not yet finished the movie. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty clear. It's pretty why. clear why is that is that I keep trying to force it down his throat really late in the night and really drunk in the night, and I should just make him watch it at like two p.m. on the weekend. Yeah. I mean that's what we should be doing instead of recording this. Realistically, yeah. yeah, we should we should get you immersed in that. Um especially because like I was really hoping to have you watch that before Halloween, but now it's Not you know, it maybe before Christmas. I mean, make my dreams come true. All I want for Christmas is for you to watch Tucker and Dale versus Evil and our families to get along. <laughs> and our families to get along in Columbus. We're going to we're going to we're going to host Christmas in my apartment. So uh a tight like 25 or 30 people can I, can I my... bring the smoker onto your non-balcony <laughs> yep well you know you got the little like lead up into my apartment that little like that's where landing yeah yep. that's perfect probably get, like carbon monoxide poisoning or something oh easily would <laughs> yeah. die easily oh, yeah. would die of smoke inhalation after maybe 30 minutes yep be a be a massacre but speaking of massacres it's ta- It's time to talk about our entrance into the Schloss. So, I want to cover because we ju- we uh, a couple drunken. Whoa, I was said drunken Discord release. A couple Zone of Truths ago, we had the whole gang on to talk about the Trial of the Beast, and yeah, yeah. we did like a recap of all those Vorkstag and Grimes episodes. Let's walk through the last couple episodes of the HLP. Let's talk about. I want to talk a little, little bit about the troll fight. I want to talk a little bit about the flesh machine fight. Definitely want to hit those rust roaches. And then really rust monsters. They they look what they're actually called. (laughs) I imagined with the antennae that they were like kind of. Oh, no. Yeah, I told you. They basically look like rusty cockroaches, which they kind of do, but they have less legs. And then we're going to get into the meat of this thing. We're going to pick apart the arenas. I think I'm pronouncing Aranus. Aranus uh, encounter. I think I, again. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's like I, it's one of those things where, as nerds, I think is a very common <laughs> occurrence where you read something in a book 
mm-hmm. and that's the only time you ever see that word in your God-given life. So, like an Aranus devil. God knows oh, yeah. if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's E R Y N E S. Like, <laughs> I, how am I supposed to know? It's it, it's funny because everybody, uh, me being a longtime Pokemon fan, it it's that kind of way where people pronounce uh, Pokemon completely different because they're not English words, and so you you get certain weird spellings that nobody knows how to pronounce. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same thing for me with, like, the expanded universe Star Wars stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, these nonsense words that are, like, a race or a planet or a person's name. And then you're talking to your buddy who also read the same book. And, and you're you, like, what are you talking like, about? What character? Who is this? Arceus? Arceus? Yeah. So uh, if we said Schloss and uh, Arenas, Arenas, correctly. Arenas. Arenas. Arena Derchi. Uh, uh Tweet at the HLP, hashtag uh, Griffin Steve, you got it right on Zone of Truth, uh, episode 22. <laughs> Just let us know. Take a picture of yourself listening to it. Yep. Tell us, hey, when I listen to this, that sounded like it sounded in my head. <laughs> yep. And if uh, we didn't say it right, uh, hashtag go back to college. Still take a picture of yourself. Yeah, take a picture of yourself, too. <laughs> All right. So troll fight. We get in. We fight these trolls. It becomes almost a little bit of a comedy of airs for a second as the trolls slip and fall down the stairs. I wish we had uh, we had the rights to yakety sax because that's mm-hmm. what I was gonna play when the trolls like falling on the <laughs> like down the steps on the yep. on the parapet. It's it, it was a it was a funny visual in my head too because the the spiral staircase is a five foot wide staircase. Oh yeah, they're squeezing down the stairs. But like you got to figure if it's a five foot square. With a pole running down the middle that the stairs wrap around, the stairs are only about one or two feet wide. And then you have a 10-foot wide troll <laughs> trying to get They're down. Not 10 feet wide. Yeah, ten, but the, the, cr- the creature base itself is 10 yeah, feet. Yeah, so, I think we I think we ran into this uh, in the m- most recent episode, actually, talking sure about did, it. Sure did, yeah. But it's funny. You always incorporate this space for these creatures and realistically, like... If you were a person taking up a five by five square, you'd be the fattest person on earth, probably. We have a we have a we have my favorite running joke of our Rune Lords game is that we always enlarge Brooks's character. He's a dwarf. And he only gets wide. <laughs> yeah, and, and the joke is that he doesn't get any taller. He only gets wider, which is perfect. It's <laughs> really funny. Um, but so. We finish up this encounter, we run into fan favorite Metagamer Sin, and then there's a little bit of a flash. I believe it came from an object read from Eclipse, maybe? Yeah, it did. Where we have um, an image of someone presumably from the Whispering Way entering the Schloss and destroying the guard, which enabled the trolls to move in. Mm-hmm. So, back to the conversation we had over brunch this morning. I'm trying, you know, you're not telling me anything, which you shouldn't, but I'm just kind of spitballing. So we have the beast brother to fight. We maybe have the person who owns Schloss Carol Mark. I don't know. We maybe have um, some other weird shit. And there's also this whispering way guy that I don't know anything about. Yeah. To, what's he doing? I don't know. Who knows? But I mean, Meta, Meta Gamerson knows. Yeah. <laughs> Meta Gamerson has it all figured out. He took one look at him and knew, uh, knew, knew all his special abilities. Yeah. Oh, geez. I, I must have rolled a 45 on my knowledge local. 
but is, is there anything you really want to hit on from the troll encounter? It was a little while ago, and although it was a lot of fun, um, I don't know that there was anything super notable that we want to take a whole bunch of time chatting about. I mean, the only thing I really want to comment on is Emily's super clutch usage of Burst of Radiance, oh. because that, I mean, that's a really tough encounter. Uh, each troll is a CR5. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not push over enemies and the fact that they can get up in your face and rend you is really horrifying for a group of level 6 PCs because they can just lay out the damage but the fact that Emily incapacitated them and blinded them with this burst of radiance and dealt damage to all of them was I think key to you guys steamrolling that encounter which you did. You guys crushed that encounter and the you know even though she didn't deal the most damage i think emily was key in basically shutting down the ranged aspect of it with the with the burst of radiance and shutting down the combatants right in your face so they i mean god it well it's well, already yeah. hard to hit you and ikmer cuz you guys have pretty decent ac and then with the 50% miss chance like i'm i didn't get a single rend off after the first one mhm I mean, yeah, it, it allowed us to sneak in and set flanks without incurring attacks of opportunity. Exactly, yeah. Um, get a clips up in there so she could have that massive crit, basically just like effectively one shot somebody. Uh, I can't deal with Haley getting these crits anymore. <laughs> You're gonna, I'm going to have to make hers a, uh, a double 20 weapon where you throw two 20s in a row. Dude. Crit. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, the, it's just a wild amount of damage. But Realistically, I almost wish I gave her a scythe. Was that oh. uh, just so she could get the X four crit? Because her mm. crits are already so juicy. Yeah, I almost just want like I like I like the image of Eclipse with an axe, but I also like the image of Eclipse with a scythe. And I feel like a scythe with that four X crit, mm-hmm. like there's no way handing Eclipse a haunted scythe that she doesn't go into like the improved critical feat and oh, yeah. and that chain because she's gonna be like, okay, I need nineteen to twenty so I can X four crit this thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and we get into the building. We have our badges. We bypass what could be an encounter on the bridge, on that like initial drawbridge so or whatever. This was, this was super important. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much you guys realized it in the moment, but the, the trap set on the door is, and I'll, you know, I'll tell the listeners too, is a huge air elemental. <laughs> and... That thing lasts for, I don't know, like 10 to 12 rounds. I can't remember, but but its tactics are it literally like picks one of you up and throws you off the bridge yeah. with its whirlwind ability. And it's a really rough encounter for, for a group like you guys, especially because the door is super hard to actually unlock or break. Mm-hmm. And so you're pretty much stuck on that bridge or stuck crossing back over that bridge. You're stuck on this bridge while the huge air amounts of just picks just picks off. one off and throws them yeah three hundred feet to their death. But we bypassed it and we face off against a defective machine. And this one was really fun. I I had a ton of fun with this combat because as written that grapple stuff doesn't exist. Okay, I had it be malfunctioning. Um. Because I wanted to make the combat a little more diverse. 
and and I thought you know something that something that our party really doesn't do a lot of is combat maneuvers, mm-hmm. and that was really interesting to throw in there as as an option. And you guys really ran with it, which I was pretty pleased by. Uh, the the option to pin the thing and grapple the thing, you know, it, it's got hardness. It's a it's a tough enemy. It's a tough enemy to damage. It's got ten hardness, so. Unless you're hitting it with that tankard, you're usually not doing much damage. And um, I felt like that option, while it, you know, while you guys kind of spent a lot of turns setting it up, to me, it felt like it really paid off when you were able to bypass it and not destroy this thing that is clearly a creation of the person's house that you're trying to, you're, you're coming into. Right, we don't we don't want to foster any ill will with this guy who owns the place. We don't want to break his stuff. And I think you guys have been doing a phenomenal job. Like, honestly, more so than most parties that <laughs> run through this. I'm guessing of of being like very courteous guests. Well, I, I think this is. Uh, I mean, it's a dungeon crawl. Let's be real. Yeah, but. I think when you start a dungeon crawl, it's very easy just to say, okay, lock and load, let's murder hobo this thing. And I think it would be very easy for us to do it. And honestly, off pond, you know, if if we weren't like taking our time and being, uh, being thoughtful about what we're doing, like on the show, if you didn't really care about like your (laughs) realistically, your character's whole arc and stuff, then yeah, I can see we, we might've done that. I can see you rocking in and being like, well, you know, Johnny doesn't give a fuck about his reputation. Yeah. This uh, this portrait on the wall costs a thousand gold or whatever. Fucking rip it off. All right, I'm let's totally go. not stuck playing this for four years. Yep, <laughs> yep. So I could see us going ab- about it that way. We get through this encounter. Um, we encounter a couple different rooms. Uh, you know, kitchen, HVAC place. Yeah, you guys went through. You guys went through a really weird direction. And you didn't really explore most of this part of the schloss. Is called called the manse. Uh, but a, a lot of people at home probably don't realize that th- that exactly that there are there were a bunch of rooms of on room, the map, yeah. and we bypassed virtually all of them. Yeah, you guys, you guys bypassed almost all the rooms. You actually went weirdly from the like main atrium to the supply cabinet or yep. the supply rooms. So like the one had like the coal and like the HVAC thing. And as you went through, you found like the household goods and you ended up in the, the main dining area, but you missed like, I want to say you have unexplored at least eight rooms in that building. Yeah, there were a ton of them on which, the map. Which I'm I'm happy for because I know the way that we play our games at home. And we are, and I'm guilty of this as a player too. Like when you can see the map, staunch completionist. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like even when I see like, okay, there's a door. I'm, I'm going, like even when we do the... You know, the map is only revealed for what you can see. It's like, oh, I see a door. I'm going through all the doors. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of refreshing to see you guys, you know, feel feel this this tension mm-hmm. and and feel this need to to be swift in your in your exploration of this place and get through it. And once you find a way to the next building, you're gone. 
Yes. I mean, we, we talked about this a little off air that there, I mean, we know there's an angry mob coming at some point. We know that there is a whispering way person here. We also know that our beast friend is in trouble. So I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense for our characters to uh, be 100% completionist on this thing. We're right, trying to right. solve problems and beat the clock. Now, we're trying to beat the clock. We leave the manse and we cross over into this kind of destroyed laboratory on an, on another like kind of pinnacle island yep, or cliff. It's, it's a bridge yeah. away. Yeah. Yes. So we get in there and we have an encounter with these rust monsters and they're able to damage Matumbe's book as well as Eclipse's axe. Probably the two most symbolic items in our party. Yeah, I just want you to know, like, I was rolling based off of your metal items. That's why, mm. when, like, I, I first targeted your book, but then I was like, okay, Ikmer, what metal items do you have on you? Okay, Matumbe, yep. what metal items do you have on you? Because I, I didn't want... These creatures are rust monsters. They just care about eating metal. Yeah. Like, they don't care if it's your most valued item or not. And so what I what I wanted to do was create a very intense sense of, hey, we need to we need to dispatch of this shit. They're not yeah. hurting me. They're hurting the things I care about most. And I think, you know, I think I think that was achieved based off of you you guys like taking one hit from it and like moving back behind each other and that kind of thing like really just really trying to get out of melee combat with it because it was destroying your items oh yeah the 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 narrative of the encounter changed immediately as soon as we realized what was happening and we tried a ranged option or rather yeah. Emily tried Emily ranged tried ranged option, which we did talk about on air I think before one of our one of these past episodes we talked and about you it. Uh, you yeah. rolled on the table mm-hmm. so to see what would happen so this is actually and I'm going to I'm going to lay it out to the listeners because I feel like this is one of the areas that I kind of I did you guys a disservice as a GM no. so so no I like I I legitimately think and this is why I allowed the hero card post your role. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way it's written, it is a 10% chance that a burst spell collapses the floor because this building is flimsy. A burst spell happened. I rolled an eight. The floor collapsed. You guys got your reflex save. But what is kind of, I, I feel like dumb for me it's just like a very easy fix, but I didn't fix. Sure. Was that it's a DC five engineering check to realize this structure is unstable. If you get a good look underneath it okay. and, and nobody did. And, and I kind of, as, as these events were happening, I was kind of thinking about it and I was like, I don't know who in what party is going underneath this building first to get a look at it to like, and who's you, gonna, who's, you gonna, had, who's gonna cast fly and then go below the building and check it out, right? And you had rolled like at least an eighteen engineering check, and, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, well, I feel like this is information that should have been given to the engineering check. I did give you guys a couple of. I guess ideas of that, you know, it looks like an explosion happened here. It looks like rickety. There's scaffolding around it, but I wouldn't have given you that 
that Harrow card use had I not adequately or had I adequately dissuaded the use of burst spells. I feel like yeah. that's something that you don't necessarily go one to one and tie together. It's like if I cast a fireball as this whole building coming down, well, not from the engineering information I gave Matumbe, and that felt unfair to me. Now, I did force you to burn resources to save yourselves, but at the end of the day, I feel like that was probably the most balanced way I could approach that. It it kind of sucks. I, you know, I I don't want to plot armor you guys, but by the same token, it's a it's a very difficult thing to balance when I feel like I haven't given enough information and something happens. Fair, yeah. I'm, based off of sense. that information. And it's one of those things where it's like I mean, you guys are my friends at the table. Like, how demoralizing is that for Emily? Like, having killed three of her friends' characters. Yeah. Like, long-time characters. Like, you know, clearly you guys put a lot of your heart into these characters. It's like, oh, Emily, uh, an errant spell killed uh, everybody else at the table. Uh, finish your drinks. We'll see you next week. Like, that sucks. Yeah. I, I, think, I think you can get away with that if that's adequately, like, communicated. And I just you're, didn't you're, feel like I communicated right. it right. You're you're about to cast a burst spell. Are you aware that there's a ten percent chance? Yes, I'm going to try it anyway. Okay. Yeah, exactly. But, but there, that wasn't there, and so I again, I, I felt like yeah, Obvi- you should all be able to use your resources to get out of that. Yeah, obviously, I'm biased in 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 the review of this, but I think that was played in a very balanced way, and yeah, it, it made us burn resources, but. Maybe we learned a little bit of a lesson. In fact, our good buddy that you just heard on The Last Zone of Truth threw a question out here. So I'm going to inject another listener question oh boy. into our discussion here. Eric, 10 Lawn Gnomes, is asking, what would have happened if the party split from that weak floor? Encounters down the river? Question mark. Uh, the players. Would you pause and try to regroup? Jump down after. So before I, as a player, answer this question... Griffin, what were the ramifications of the the floor collapsing? So, realistically, when the floor collapses, you fall 100 feet into water, which means you take 66 of lethal damage, 2d6 halved of non-lethal damage, and the first 20 feet is cushioned by the fall into water. Uh, potentially survivable. Which is, yes. Yeah, which is definitely survivable for you guys at this level, especially since you had healed from the from the robot that was attacking you, and you guys were mostly at full HP. The issue then is uh, it's a DC-20 swim check to avoid falling again over the waterfall, which lands into rocks, which is another 5d6 of lethal damage because you're not falling into water. And then it's like swim checks past that to not yeah. drown. So I think the long and short of it is if Lyra su- could survive. If Lyra fell, she, but, I think she'd right. be okay because she wouldn't go over the falls because she has a swim speed. So she doesn't even have to make that check, really. But anybody else would have taken the damage. We're all in armor. We're all bad at swim. I'm sure we oh, all yeah. are. Yeah, I mean, I think the best of you at swim is probably Eclipse because she's wearing light armor right now but and even, has even, really good strength. But, but even but, still, like her swim check can't be without seeing her sheet. Her swim check can't be that great because we're. I mean, she probably got to roll like check. a sixteen. Right, she would have yeah. to roll high. It's certainly doable, but I think I still think difficult. So, did I think that you know there would be encounters down the river 
Eric, I mean, yeah, if somebody survived, like there would definitely be there would definitely be a story getting them back to the party, but realistically, I kind of figured if somebody fails this t- nine times out of ten, they're dead. Yeah. At least this party. And 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 to address the back half of this, if let's say hypothetically Ikmer or Eclipse or Matume made the reflex save and watched the other one or two of their party members fall down. I think I uh, putting words in Griffin's mouth here. There probably some sort of perception check to see like, Oh God, is this person dead and going over the falls or whatever? Maybe if we could have perceived that they survived, then we regroup and go back and try and find them. But it just looks punishing. I, I think it would be pretty easy to tell. Oh my God. Ikmer uh, hit the water, is completely unconscious, and then went over the falls. That is a dead half-orc. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a relatively easy perception yeah. at that point to see, like, okay, the waterfall right beneath us, like, their body went over. In terms of, um, and again, I'm, I'm speaking for some of the players that aren't here, I feel like Lyra would definitely go after you guys if you went in because she has that swim speed and she can handle, I mean, she has enough health to probably handle some of the stuff. She would at least probably go across the bridge back to where the trolls were, come around and at the lower water level and try and find you guys because she can. Mm -hmm. But I, I mean, especially if it was all three of you, like it, it was almost I feel like that really, you know, grinds what we're doing to a halt, which I'm okay with, but mm-hmm. I think it, I think it grinds this exploration to a halt and it becomes like, yeah, Lyra wanted to save Larry, but now she's got to go back to town or something to to, you know, recruit more people or get some sort of help cuz she uh, I would hope Emily would play her as realizing that she can't handle this place by herself. Yeah, I, I think that that would have irrevocably, irrevocably, uh, if I got that right on the second try, hashtag Stevie got it right on the second try, um, would have changed the campaign significantly. It would have be completely different. Um, but we, we worked our way through it. I'm going to fast forward just a hot second and get to the Aranus fight. That was fun. It was I a mean- good one. It's a summoned creature, which unfortunately means it can't use its innate summoning ability to summon more devils, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is kind of cool. But, I I mean, it's just, it's the quintessential archer because it can fly. It has good fly speed. It's like up there, raining down arrows with you guys. And you took, you know, you, you figured out the exact correct strategy, which is hole up in the building so that it can't just pot shot at you because you guys don't have a great ranged option. Yeah, we had to play to our strengths here and our strength is certainly not ranged combat so we kind of lured this thing in. Now in the spirit of the creature feature I want to talk a little bit more about Are this. Are we creature featuring this boy? We're creature featuring both these boys! Alright. Yeah, I know you got that stat block up, but um, so this Aranus, it is like a fallen angel right? Or so, like the the demonic or devilish equivalent of 
an angel. And in like the five or 10 minutes before we recorded this, I just did a tiny bit of homework. I saw that these guys were almost like hell foot soldiers. They, they exist in, I think the second layer of hell and are just always ready for battle. They're also known as the fury. Yes. Uh, Which is really cool. Uh I mean, they're, they're a CR eight creature. And and that's when they're, you know, not summoned. It it kind of gimps them a little bit, but it's still basically CR8. Yeah. And the creature is Hell's Foot Soldiers. Yeah. It, they're out for blood. It it's basically written in the Pathfinder canon that they're bloodthirsty creatures. And to bind one to a pact is a relatively significant undertaking which has clearly been undertaken here you basically have to bind one of these creatures to um to fulfill a pact to have it be this this summoned creature trap yeah i think even more than the next creature we're about to talk about i have so many open questions about this one because yes there's a contract yes it's summoned we have the badges so Theoretically, and I know we're going to talk about this when we actually wrap this whole um, Schloss run through up. Did this guy have a summon trap to bring in a devil that would kill anything? If not, if so, why didn't the badges work? And on top of that, this just seems very out of character a little bit for this AP. Not in a bad way. It, it adds a really cool flavor, but I just really didn't expect to see a devil. Why a devil? Why a lawful creature? I don't know. So, um, I'm not going to answer your question, but I am going to answer it with a how it will be answered. Okay. The The question of why this creature is here, what this creature is doing here, is going to be answered in the evil interlude. Really? Yep. Wow. That's all I'll give you. Okay. 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 That's interesting. I'm into it, man. Again, I still don't understand, but you will, you will. will. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually reading through the hell's rebels AP right now. I just finished book three people at home. Don't get excited. I'm never going to run that AP. Uh, (laughs) There's, there's too many NPCs, but it's a lot of fun. And I really enjoy reading about all the weird, different variants of devils and hellish stuff. So when this happened in the show, because I'm reading through that AP, I totally geeked out. I thought this was the coolest thing in the world. Very fun enemy. Um, honestly, very deadly placement had you not gone inside because if I'm getting into it, it has that, that rope it uses. Can, can, I, can I stop you here for a second? Because I want to read something directly from PSFRP. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. The Aranists weave deadly living ropes from their own hair, which they use in battle to lift their foes into the air, mocking and condemning their victims for their transgressions before dropping them from great heights. And they put this devil over great heights. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it was perfect placement for the summon. And, you know, I attempted it with Ikmer, but a rope is very easy to cut yourself out of mm-hmm. especially when you have that traveler's any tool oh yeah just use the traveler's any tool don't don't use your regular sword who who has a regular sword that's maybe magical when Posterous. you use a traveler's any tool so very easy to cut cut yourself out of but it's such a cool mechanic that 
it basically lassos you with this rope made of its own hair and then drags you over the edge. Yeah. So what like special qualities or cool stuff did this thing have that we might not have seen? Well, uh, stuff that you wouldn't have seen is really, is really that. And, and that it, it has this flaming composite longbow that it used once, yeah. but it has a very good to hit. Like oh, it's, somebody, a, it's somebody a, should, did that disappear? Somebody should probably pick that up. If it, did it disappeared with the okay, summon. With the summon yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. If that was loot, if this thing was not a summon, yeah, mm-hmm. that I'd definitely take that. Somebody should take that. But, uh, yeah, it's a summon. So it all disappears when it disappears. It was there for 11 rounds. You guys took it out in eight, so it had three more rounds. We almost outlasted it, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was thinking because I kind of had like the D12 next to me that I was ticking down, and I was thinking, wow, they might actually like outlast this inside the building, which makes sense because it's not. It's, I mean, it would love to take you, take you out on the bridge. Like, think if somebody opened the door while the rest of you are crossing that bridge, say you had higher acrobatics and you attempted that, it's like fucking pot shot you from oh, the yeah. sky and every time you get hit with damage, you have to make another acrobatics check on the bridge. It's crazy. This is absolutely punishing placement for this summon. A lot of uh, people that have run Carrying Crown actually describe this as the 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 one big TPK of book two this encounter because they you know unlike our party usually a party has somebody that has very high decks and is a very acrobatic character it's very rare that you have a party like ours where there's not really that person I mean realistically I don't know who has the highest decks maybe Lyra oh we don't work around anything we just blast that square peg through the round hole sure and so when a party has that character and they cross the bridge with relative ease, they not only trigger the trap on the bridge, but then trigger the Aranus and fuck everybody else. Yeah, I get it, man. That's tough. But we were, we were able to get across. We had this encounter. I've got some questions that I want answered. You're not answering them? That's fine. I get it. Because oh, I, yeah. I know I'm getting my questions answered at some point. Eventually they will be answered. But we defeat this Aranus and as we do I think this kind of starts the rolling encounter of you fought something it was super loud you made a racket and something else took note and that other thing was this weird like Michonne from the walking dead trailing around the zombies yeah a flesh golem with uh with these homunculi attached to it and do you want to know why that happened is yes. the uh, the trap with the Aranus mm-hmm. also had an alarm? Really? Spell, okay. And it alerted it in the room it was in, so it began moving very slowly because it has to squeeze almost the entire way down to where you guys were, and you know, eight rounds later is there and ready to fuck. Well, you just like <laughs> ready to fuck, baby. <laughs> Just like the Aranus, I have a ton of questions. So why the fuck was this thing faceless? That's weird. So that's not even answered really to me. It, it's kind of like an experiment, I'm I'm assuming. Sure. Um, 
the cool thing with it was that it had that telepathic link. I so want to talk could, about that for conservatively anymore. <laughs> it could see through all of the homunculi, so it had all-around vision. Mm-hmm. As long as it had homunculi all around it. And and knowing that we were knowing that we were going into this creature feature, I quickly again looked at a homunculi. I didn't look at a flesh gum or anything because so I figured I, this wasn't I, perfect. I heavily altered the homunculi, okay. just so you know. Well, that probably answers a lot of my questions yeah. then because it says that, you know, they have this telepathic link to their master. So it, in my mind, this flesh golem probably didn't make them. So in the book, actually, they, they do have the telepathic link to the flesh golem. So that's something I didn't alter. Okay. It's it's how they were created. They were created. So a homunculus, usually when it's created, has to be created with the blood, hair, semen, sweat. Of I don't I think that's creator. how it works in Pathfinder. It is. Look it up. It, yes, I did. It doesn't say anything about semen and sweat. Well, of course it's it like, wouldn't say it's semen. Like, it's like clay... Dirt, I think maybe dirt, something else. It's a bunch of mundane semen. shit. And yes, a pint of semen. A pint of semen. No, it's a you pint. It's a si- pint of blood. It is blood. Yeah, you have to save up for a while, folks. If you want to create a homunculus, semen's a necessary ingredient. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to get janky homunculi. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> come on, like what? What else is there to say? I mean, wasn't the and I'm shouting out another podcast here, but. uh Hello from the Magic Tavern. Wasn't there a homunculus yes. made from yes. had, semen? Yeah, <laughs> that's what you're thinking. I think no, that it, is what I'm it, thinking. That of. was that was a comment. Yeah, so it was like blood plus snot and semen or something, or like urine yeah. maybe too. Yeah. I don't know. It was a total. It was so fucking. It was gross. wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it was great. But uh, but so the, these homunculi were created using the blood of the flesh create that created this flesh golem. So they that is wildly interesting to me. Yeah. yeah. So they were linked to it and chained to it. And obviously the chains like embedded in the flesh golems skin basically put them, you know, within five feet of this flesh golem at all times. Yeah. That was, I, I really liked this mechanic where, this encounter again we addressed it in the episode where this thing is so big that it's taking up a bunch of the room it's threatening a bunch of squares um like there wasn't a whole lot of like special attacks special qualities like it was slams yeah it was it it seemed it was a fairly as far as like the actual combat it was fairly basic like stand and bang but there's the caveat that you need to like position yourself around this thing to try and catch the homunculi that are flying around it. Yeah. And I really liked that because it was like this, like if this flesh golem was by itself and let's say it could see and had no homunculi, this would be like the actual most boring encounter ever. Yeah. But with the, with this like added, like almost like little mini game around it, I really enjoyed that as it's coming through the door one homunculi in front of it might be dead and the rest are like hiding behind it through the door. And, uh, it was just really cool. I, I enjoyed it. It, it put a interesting spin on what I think could have been a very boring encounter. And I feel like you guys were trying to blind it by killing the homunculi, mm-hmm. but you were, you were dealing a significant amount of damage by killing the homunculi. Yeah. I, I think, mean, I think the, we originally, the, originally wanted to blind it, but then, it I think I rolled down. a knowledge check, yeah. and it was saying that it was doing damage or something. Yeah, it, it went down because of the last homunculi. I think I think Ikmer killed. Yes, and um, or homunculus that Ikmer killed, and 
yeah, that was dealing damage. Obviously, he was dealing damage with his cup. It had DR, but it was only DR5, so you guys were still getting through with almost all of your attacks. I was, but it t- had I was a, ticking off like three or four damage. Yeah, right yeah exactly. And it, it just it had a very strong slam. Like, the slam was 2d8 yeah. to plus five, I think. And so it could do, you know, 21 points of damage if it rolled well. Yeah, I mean it, it was no joke. It was fun. Yeah, it was a, it, it was a it was a good encounter, but what I think is going to give you guys more trouble is at the end of that episode, um, we had a keep watch scenario, and I think this this is a very good point to rest. It's just you're not resting in the right place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we're not. No. It's, uh, we ended on a cliffhanger, a cliffhanger that was. Probably resolved for the fans about three weeks ago. Yeah, but it's not resolved likely. for us right now. Likely, yeah. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, see what's next. See what what happens with that creature. And I know from seeing kind of a big overhead view of this schloss that there's a pretty significant amount to go. We still have. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's more beyond this map too, mm-hmm. which is. Which means that what you've seen is still not even the half of it. We were we were chatting before, and you're gonna have to refresh my memory here. You compared this to Harrowstone at some point. It's like not maybe not quite as big, but still pr- like close to that. Big. So while I would describe Harrowstone as half of Book One, mm-hmm. at least a good half, because you're in Harrowstone, you're. You know, most of the conflict happens in Harrowstone. Realistically, the only stuff that happens outside of it is trying to push you into Harrowstone. Yeah. Book two, I, I think Schloss Cromark is maybe a third of yeah. just in terms of its content. I mean, it's more combats than you guys have had in the rest of the book. And it's imposing and it's a lot to explore. If you guys run through it like you have. Then maybe it's only a, you know, five or six episode thing. But but if you take time to explore it, it's it's a lot. Yeah, I I I would imagine that we're going to do that, that we're going to um, kind of gun through this because there's a ticking clock. And eat. Like, I almost think if you take away the mechanical perspective of it, that it almost doesn't really make sense to sleep. You're just like in somebody's house, right? Trying yeah. to find, trying to find a friend that is in trouble. Like, unless like, if you take away the spells and stuff, it's like I don't know why you would stop. Yeah, you guys are just so drained at this point after after several combats that you kind of need this. Oh yeah, I had like one spell left or something. It was bad. Yeah. I know. Emily was probably completely tapped out, if not damn close, because she was <laughs> well, healing she everybody. She tapped herself out to heal yeah. everybody, yeah. Um, and then uh, the rest of the party is not doing particularly hot either, but Well, that's we'll what see. we'll leave off, because that's a f- as far as we've gotten, <laughs> regardless of when this releases. Yeah, we've got we've got nothing left to discuss. I mean, we're, we are caught up right now. Of course, then, like, three more episodes are going to come yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, but we'll, we'll have... <laughs> One more episode, I think, beyond beyond where you guys are. The the Flesh Golem episode will release next week mm-hmm. with our um, with our prior zone of truth, and then 
the following week we'll have another episode release and then we'll have this release so yeah. it will be missing one but yeah. well sorry Christmas time is here Christmas time's here oh boy we're gonna have to get through the holidays we got a lot of shit to record oh boy it's really settling in now anyway Griff I want to end this on a high note we've already answered a couple listener questions but I've got a couple more and I, and I think I picked some fun ones today I'm into it let's go so our first one comes from our good friend Twisted Enigma. Met him at Gen Con. Great dude. He asks, what monster slash creature would you pick as the hideous laughter mascot? And I've, I've got two myself. Yeah, I'll let you go ahead. Um, I think a like super cute ghosty Aranel would be a lot of fun. Although we don't really get a whole lot of Aranel action in book two. Yeah, Air- I mean, he's, he's yeah. still impacting eclipses um initiative oh but. for sure we just we just don't really see him he was he played a lot more of a, a role in book one um and then saw killed him in the evil interlude <laughs> rude <laughs> which I, I i liked um but i think that would be fun also um emily has knit a nethel goo because she's an a knitter and um it's super cute so, like, a cartoony knit Nithal Ghoul, I think, would be uh, super fun and cute and would be a cool mascot. All right. I have a different take on the mascot. Although, I, I agree with yours in terms of, like, stuff that's impacted the campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine is a Jennifer. Okay. I think is how you uh, pronounce it. All right. If he got it right. Hashtag Griffin was writing that. <laughs> We're doing a lot of <laughs> shit though. He just the only time I've seen it is in text. All right. So what is that? So this lanky yellow-eyed drunk sways unsteadily. God damn it. Draped in the stink of barley and fermentation. A uh, Jennifer is a CR5 creature. Okay. That is constantly drunk. So let me let me uh let me just briefly read this might be like a little a brief my favorite monster because so, i kind of love this oh, that's thing. fine i i totally authorize this by the way so are you just saying that our uh mascot is just a regular picture of brooks yeah yeah kind of uh so jennifer's are cruel human seeming creatures suffused with liquor and spite come on Why sometimes called Gin devils, they haunt dive bars and tumble down slums, living in the shadows of civilization. They are eager carnivores, and while they can sate themselves on any meat, they prefer the taste of flesh marinated for months in sweet, soothing alcohol. A diet that frequently brings them into contact with the dregs of society. Jennifer's claim to be the sacred children of a vile foreign god of fermentation, though tales describe them as bandits and vagabonds cursed for their gluttony. Given that Jennifer's are both argumentative and prone to exaggeration, the truth of the or of their origins is likely lost to history. Their near-human appearance allows Jennifer's to blend into society, avoiding notice so long as they control their appetites and avoid scrutiny. With this 
natural camouflage, they may have dwelled in city shadows for far longer than is known. While a Jennifer's gaze can transform even water into some form of alcohol, the magically created spirits are of low burning quality, and what little coin the Jennifer collects is quickly spent on high-quality ales, liquors, and wines. Question for you. Yeah. Well, first, did you just write that? I wish. I mean, I, I, I wrote a, I, I stat blocked myself. Stat blocked myself. Uh, second question for you. Can our next big merch item be a uh, hideous laughter jersey? Like the hideous laughter Jennifer's. The hideous laughter Jennifer's. Yep. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, so some things about this creature that make it really fucking cool. It's got drunken defense. Come on. So it, um, it gains its con bonus to AC and it has a fucking hefty con. Like, this is a CR5 creature with a 21 con. It's intense. And along with that, it's got this um, this inebriate special ability that uh, infusing a living creature's body with alcohol with a successful touch attack which imposes the sickened condition for 1d6 hours and each additional touch after deals 1d4 points of dexterity damage so it, it, it can make you drunk with a touch but beyond that it can use its fortifying gaze a Jennifer's gaze dramatically increases the potency of alcoholic liquids in a 30 foot cone in a cone insanity inebriated creatures either independently or intoxicated by the Jennifer that meet the Jennifer's gaze must succeed a fortitude save or gain one of the following conditions of the Jennifer's choice confused fascinated or prone the effect lasts 1d6 rounds dear god you want to know this thing's weakness what Vicious sobriety. Vicious sobriety? Uh, Jennifer's volatile blood is vulnerable to the effects of, or the effects that sober a creature. A delay poison, a polypurpose panacea, etc. Sicken a Jennifer for one hour while a neutralized poison spell staggers it for one hour. In either case, a Jennifer can negate this with a fortitude save. But again, these things are like removing the effects of too much alcohol consumption. The, that's those spells. And so when they're applied to it, it it has a mechanical deficit. Jesus Christ. Who did did Paizo make this after they saw us at or, uh, at PaizoCon? I actually used to write for Paizo, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like one of our creatures. Yeah, as you were describing all that stuff, I just like quickly hopped onto Google and tried to find an image of it. Couldn't really. In fact, I just found a Reddit thread where someone was asking for someone to make them an image of it, and then uh, no comments. Well, it's supposed uh, to look kind of like a just like a drunk kind of jaundiced guy. Right. I guess this comes from the uh, the splat book for Taildor, the first empire. Nice. Yeah, that's, that'd be cool as hell. Um, so I guess you've got those... Uh, what's the Taildor, like Game of Thrones? War for the Crown, is it? Yeah, War yeah. for the Crown. Is that Taldor? Yeah, it is. Um, but I, I guess Taildor, who knows, maybe War for the Crown is a bunch of 
drunks in there. Uh, we're all represented in that podcast. That's right. <laughs> or in that in that AP. And whoever's uh, one of the eight War for the Crown podcasts. That's the... I'm sure they they're gonna reach out to us when the Jennifer's. I think we come to play. I think so. Listen, I, I think even though we didn't create this creature, I think technically we're owed royalties. <laughs> uh, sorry, we we drink the most out of uh, whatever whatever Pathfinder products you have. So please pay us royalties for this Jennifer. That's right. Well, the Jennifer is you, Steve, because I'd be a whiskiver. Oh, that's true. You'd be a whiskiver. I'd be a Jennifer, because I, you know, I'm about that gin. Haley uh, would be a side of her. Side of her. Yeah. Brooks might be a whiskiver. Mm, yeah. Uh, Brooks would probably be a polypurpose uh, panacea of drinks. And then uh, Emily, just gasoline queen. Yeah, a gasgiver. <laughs> a gasgiver. Ugh. All right, man. How you feel about hitting this last question, and getting out of here? Let's do it, dude. Okay. So this one's an old one that I've been sitting on for a little while. This comes from our friend Robin Deoxerio. You know her. If this campaign were set in Redwall, what animals would the characters be and why? So I picked a few. So I think that, you know, you got your armor master defense, right? Mm -hmm. Ikmer, hedgehog. Hedgehog. Yeah, that's a good one. Maybe even armadillo. Armadillo is a turtle. Yeah. Yeah. Just something that can like kind of turtle up as a turtle as a verb and just take a lot of hits. Um, I think Eclipse. I thought originally maybe like Bat. But then I thought Raccoon because they're smart. They're really yeah. smart and they're crafty and um, they're like they got those evil machinations, right? Evil machinations. They almost seem to have thumbs. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I thought Raccoon. And then, um, but not like the big, like derpy fat ones that just dig in your trash. Like, like the, the actual wild. Yeah. Like how raccoons are supposed to be before humanity. Um, Matumbe, I kind of thought it's like a badger smart, kind of a little bit of a brawler, a little bit. Um, it just, I just, I just feel that badger kind of fits his personality. And then, uh, Lear's just like a fish or something. I don't know. All right. So I've only read one of the Redwall books, and I'm just saying that because I don't really know what animals are. Oh yeah, I have no idea what animals inbounds are in and off bounds. Yeah, so I'm no just idea. kind of gonna gonna give an animal that I think for each character. I really think Matumbe would be an owl. Oh, that's much better. Yeah, I, I like think, that. I think, yeah. I think even though Matumbe doesn't have the highest wisdom, I feel like he is definitely the source of wisdom for the party, and mm-hmm. he's super intelligent. Which makes an owl kind of make sense. I think Lyra is a frog. Okay. She's kind of, uh, she's set herself up at this point to be relatively amphibious. And and I think, you know, she works just as well on land and water. Um, for Ikmer, I'm going to have to agree with you. I, I think he's, you know, a very defensive animal. I... I'd probably put him as a turtle just because they're both green. <laughs> <laughs> There's some pretty cute turtles. And, and Nick Mer, like, I, th- I think uh, Brooks has portrayed him as like kind of a mess. Like he's taking a lot of hits. Like maybe his yeah. nose ain't, ain't, ain't like uh, all straight and everything, but uh, he's kind of got that. He's got a lovable look to him for sure. Uh, for Eclipse, I think a honey badger. Okay. Because honey badger don't care. 
That's true. That's <laughs> true. Cubs don't care. And I just think she's like such a wild card character that you kind of need a crazy animal to go along with it. I think for this theme for like Redwall, you don't really want to go much bigger than a house cat. Mm-hmm. So like a honey badger, I think is is probably where she'd land in terms of like a like bigger animal I think she's like a Komodo dragon because I think she's of any of your characters she's the most volatile and the most venomous yeah and and that's kind of what they're known for is despite not actually having a poison in their saliva they're so toxic because of the diseases they carry that like a single scratch from one of them is can kill a human yeah it's uh they're they're really gross i get it and uh i didn't think about the evil interlude but uh sabi a tiger oh so sabi a tiger <laughs> maybe a tiger maybe maybe uh viv would be the komodo dragon because she's the, oh she's the most, that would be yeah, great she's the most yeah. toxic either that or, or like a poison frog or something yeah like i think i kind of see her as a black widow spider yes yeah and uh, and Mr. Turner, I see as a you know a what? squirrel. You know, I think you I, know what I I I'm gonna walk that back. I think I think Mr. Turner would be the Black Widow spider. You think? Cause, yeah, because because like he's kind of got this cool insectile like the the Black Widow spider draws in males and it's like, look, I am I am like something you want to hit that, and I'm gonna fucking kill you when I'm done. That's kind of his thing. He brings people in. He, he brings looks them good. In. Yeah, he lures them in. Them. Uh, yeah. I see him as a rabid squirrel. So a squirrels, rabid uh, squirrel. So squirrels are generally like they're cute. People like squirrels, uh, even though they're they're pretty much pests. Mm-hmm. Like people don't like rats. Like they like squirrels. And I think Mr. Turner is so likable, but but a rabid squirrel is you know is something that can infect a larger group and, and kind of, you know, you're drawn in by its cuteness as a squirrel. And because it's rabid, it's even, it's even more amenable to being like touched and, and headed and then it bites you and you die. Yeah. Uh, That's, that's really good. I like that a lot. Um, If I were to do Nana Opal, Ooh, Nana Opal is a tricky one. I think I've got a good one for this. Um, I can't remember what the specific bird is, but it's the bird that'll like hop into other birds' nests and knock their eggs out or something, put their own eggs in there. Oof. Yeah, I don't know what bird that is. I that don't sounds know. deadly. I heard about it, so I think that's mine. Yeah, I see. Um... Oh no, this egg isn't right. You must have my egg. You must have my egg. Yeah. Have a cookie. <laughs> yeah, I see. Nana Opal is a very plump mongoose. I think her character is surprisingly the most deadly of that group, even if she doesn't overtly um, rain death. And I think when she's put into a corner, we're going to see that. I think when she's actually like the chips are down, people are down and Nana Opal is in a corner. Like, think think Nana Opal being attacked by that chitin besides, like, instead of Saw. Okay. I think she's gonna prove that she is absolutely deadly. 
And I think it comes out a couple times with her saver, like the amount of saver suck stuff she has. But it's just like Nana Opal is a mongoose that takes down cobras. Yeah, she's the one that like takes down your CR thirteen creature when you guys are level eight. You know what I mean? And I and I think with that like take down thing, we what we haven't seen from Nana Opal a whole lot is hexing AC or saves or something. Right? She, she doesn't do it for she you. She hasn't guys. been evil, even evil eyeing the way that like I think a regular play of a witch would be. And I think when she starts busting that kind of stuff out, we'll see a yeah. little bit of this. Yeah. Also, just as a side note, we were uh, chatting about this, so I googled mongoose, and the f- uh, the first suggestion was mongoose pathfinder, and I was like, oh, maybe Google is learning my search habits. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> uh, no, mongoose pathfinder is just a a bike. It's a bike. <laughs> see, I clicked on that, and they're all bikes. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Mongoose is a brand of bikes. Yep. So Google hasn't figured me out yet. But, Griffin, I think we covered everything. Yeah, I think we got all the questions. We talked about the episodes. Yeah. To everybody at home, I hope you had a very happy Thanksgiving like three weeks ago. And um, gobble. whatever holidays you celebrate for the Christmas-esque season, I hope you have a fantastic yeah. one. We're going we're gonna to be bringing you episodes of the regular show these zone of truths and a little evil interlude by the end of December. So we have plenty of HLP to get you through the holidays. Buckle up. Buckle up. This one's for you guys. In the meantime, I think what we're going to do is polish off a couple more beers. Yep. We're going to go get more beers. And then uh, we're recording this on a Saturday. So we're going to have a little drunken disorderly with some of the patrons, aren't we, Griff? Yeah, tonight I'm super hype. These are so much fun every time we get to do them yeah it's rare that i do any sort of like shameless plugs here but anybody that is thinking about subscribing at the ten dollar and up tier every other week we have these what we call drunken discorderlies where we listen to an old episode play the drinking game and just hang out with everybody everyone gets the opportunity to chat with us and um it really turns into like a at least for us, you don't have to drink at home if you don't want to. Yeah, there's plenty, you there's plenty, plenty you people to, that you just watch us get wasted. <laughs> there's plenty of people that join along and don't drink. Um, but uh, we basically do like a power hour almost for an hour and a half and uh, get pretty lit up and yeah, have a good and then, time. And then we do one of these sessions, but with the questions that you want to answer directly to or you want answered directly from us. Oh, if you thought we answer a lot of questions on Zone of Truth, we answer double on. Uh, drunken Discorderly. Yeah, we take at least an hour after the episode to just talk Sh- show shit, yeah. or or talk whatever you guys want to talk about, which is really fun. Yeah, and you know what? Tonight, Griff, maybe I'll be the mongoose. All right. Well, and I'll and I'll make sure I bring both my cobras. Well, I was just about to say I'm gonna t- I might take down a king cobra. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I thought you might be going. <laughs> Well, I'm going to crack this hams. And what I have to say to you listeners is please finish your drinks because we'll see you in two weeks. Later.